2: Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour and today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at wyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the reality management worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it also tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials, and if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581, and when you call that number, if you press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will then be able to turn on your microphone and announce you by your area code. And we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And if you let us know what is being of most service to you or what needs you might have to understand these tools better or be able to use them more effectively in your life, it makes it easier for us to help you with that. So we have plenty of time to talk today. Today Today's a Thursday, which means there will also be a support group offered tonight. Tuesdays and Thursday nights through Zoom, wherever you are, if you have Internet access, you're welcome to join us absolutely free 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And All the information you would need to be able to join us or to pass that information along to somebody else is available at the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. If you go there, there's a separate page about information for logging in for Tuesdays and Thursdays. And click the link, open up Zoom on your computer, and join us. I, I should also mention that for whatever reason uh, it's difficult for some people but if you want to email me my email for this show is tjh at mindshifters hyphen dot org so if you're going to send the email you need the hyphen between the word mindshifters and the word academy if you want to find the website you can just type it in without the hyphen I've secured both URLs. So um, I have the hope that people have um, done a little of their own work between the groups, uh, these uh, shows, and uh, the people went out and looked up Andrea Gibson, and typed in, the, um, in their search engine whatever they need to find her spoken word piece about how uh, queer kids are five times more likely to commit suicide. I tried once again this morning reading that. Can't get through it without crying, so I probably won't be reading that on the air for a while, but uh, I highly recommend it. Um, Another thing that I found in one of her spoken word pieces was the idea that if your own story is one you aren't sure you can survive, then remove whatever sharpness you can from another person's life. If your own story is so painful you're not sure you'll be able to survive it, rather than working on getting rid of your own pain, do what you can to remove the sharpness or pain from another person's life. It's actually healing for you. So... I um I will get back to reading from A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sunneberg and um I think the last essay I read was uh, 100 or 101 and the next one I'll read is titled spirituality transcends earthly ideas and the essay reads as we live in a world of duality We often approach understanding all of reality with the assumptions we've learned in our duality, through living in duality. As one example, we believe that distance is a fundamental property of reality, so we assume someone can only be in one place at a time. As another, we believe reality is this one big shared objective place called the world, and that we're all seeing the same thing. Truth be told, neither of those assumptions are correct. An assumption we bring to spirituality is we tend to believe that some ideas from our world, for instance, religious conclusions or scientific conclusions, are themselves fundamental statements about all of reality, and that others are not. We assume this in part because we personally discover that some ideas end up proving to be verifiable and true in our local world, while others do not. We naturally establish beliefs to explain our life experience and how the external world seems to work. We then almost automatically extrapolate those beliefs into, quote, the big picture, close quotes. Spirituality, though, is not fundamentally about a move towards one specific set of ideas. It's not that any more than it is about a person moving from one physical place to another. This is not to say that earthly ideas do not have an important place in spirituality. Of course they do. We're having the meaningful experience of duality, so the ideas of duality are important, and they're useful, and they're meaningful to us. They are the forms with which we work. I wouldn't be writing these words, and you wouldn't be hearing them if there weren't some value In considering spiritual ideas however the spirit itself is something that fully transcends all of the intellectual ideas and all of the many forms of earth the spirit in its actual nature transcends all the assumptions that we use to make intellectual judgments about our reality all intellectual judgments and indeed All forms, thoughts, words, objects, people, bodies, etc., all of these occur within spirit. Spirituality, then, is not just about ideas, but more fundamentally, it is about what actually is. Spirituality is about growth. It's a growth of what actually is, the expansion that transcends the forms with which we play. For it is not a growth strictly in the realm of ideas or actions. It's not a growth in the realm of the physical. Rather, it goes far deeper to a growth in being. Spirituality is about the way in which we are consciousness and as consciousness we experience or we meet our experience and spirituality is about what is and how what is becomes more as a result of his experiences it is about experientially learning how to wield our fundamental power our intent Spirituality is about actually growing towards and becoming creativity and love. It is not fundamentally about selecting the correct ideas. Though ideas are an important part of what is occurring. If we truly wish to walk the spiritual walk, we must go far deeper than working with ideas we must do something that is far more difficult than selecting an understanding or a belief. We must face ourselves. We must face, and I would add here the word, accept our actual experience. Meet it with full presence Meet it with bravery, meet it with humility, and most importantly, meet it with love. We must be willing to allow ourselves to change towards and actually become more present, more brave, more humble, and more loving. We are what continues after the physical world ends. So, what we are here to work on is us. We're here to work on being more, having more experiences and being more loving. How does that land with you? What is it? I'm trying to remember the the spoken word piece by An- Andrea Gibson that talks about what if when the soul leaves the body the soul misses Everything about being physical, what if it misses a stiff neck, the wrinkles of old age, the experience of frustration in a traffic jam, When a human dies, the soul moves through the universe trying to describe how a body trembles when it's lost, how a body softens when it's safe, how a wound would heal given nothing but time. What if the soul misses the unforever of old age in the skin that no longer fits? What if the soul misses every single day the body was sick What if it misses how it trembled from the fever? What if it misses how the body could not let go? What else could hold on to things so tightly? What if the soul misses how the body could sleep through a dream? What else can sleep through a dream? What else can laugh? What if the soul misses grieving? What if it misses the loss of its hands and all that they could hold? What if when the soul leaves the body, it moves up into space, into the stars, and the stars say, tell us again about goosebumps? Tell us again about pain? What if the very value in our lives is everything about our physical experience? And what if the chasing after relief from pain and enlightenment and spirituality and the wisdom that goes beyond the body, what if it's missing the point? That's what Andrea Gibson is asking us to to sit with. Area code 520, is this Audrey?
3: Yes, it is. Welcome. Yes. I wanted to share an experience this morning and how I responded and how different my response was. Yesterday, I went to the store came home with a bunch of bags and unloaded some of the bags. And I thought one bag was already unloaded. Wrong. Woke up this morning and I found out that one of the bags had all this mm, uh, grocery in that should be in the refrigerator. Well, normally... Now, that's the object or the stimulus. Uh, That's the stimulus. Now, normally, in the past, I would would tell a story about it. Oh, this person asked me to take him to the store, which I did. I was tired, so it's his fault. Long this morning, I looked at the back, and I, oh, my goodness. I went to Trader Joe's, and all this these food items needed to be in the refrigerator. Well, they were unusable, and I took them out to the garbage. But the response this time was, all right, there are the items. Oh, my. I'm not going to eat them because they're out too long. I'll just take them throw them away. Now, what can I learn through this opportunity? And I could see where growth is happening. And I could see where the expansion of my consciousness is happening. Because normally, I would respond with blame, and I tell a story about it. This time it was a shift. Oh, what can I learn? And I floated through that with ease. Now I was thinking about it and I said, You know, what's happening with me? You know, something's different. Then I realized I'm becoming consciously aware of my response. And as I do my inner work, I am responding with ease. There is a shift happening. So I just give myself a pat on the back, and I'm grateful for every tool, every opportunity, every task that has come into my field of awareness. And I just wanted to share that. Thank
2: you. Wonderful. Well, you know, I I uh, have found in my own life that the more I choose to step away from Excuse me, I'm trying to stifle a sneeze. The more I choose to step away from the drama and trauma, the better I prefer how my life unfolds. And it reminds me of a story from Guy Finley where he talks about this woman who works at a bank and there's another woman that you know, she sees on a regular basis. They've never really had a personal conversation but they've been working there together for well over a year and they, you know, polite greetings and well, they, she sees her in the lunchroom but they've never sat together and talked but she notices that the other woman just doesn't look right. She looks like she's down she's upset she's sad and so she takes her lunch tray over and sits next to her and says you mind if i sit here and she goes oh no go right ahead and then she starts a little pleasantries and then she she says well you know i i just couldn't help but notice you don't seem yourself is something wrong would you like to talk about it and the second woman says well you know um I've got this abusive situation at home. And the first woman interrupts her and says, oh, now, don't you put up with that for another minute. You deserve better, and don't you stay there. And and the second woman cuts her off and says, excuse me, you you probably don't understand. She said, I live alone. Mm. The verbally abusive situation is inside her own head. So when I choose to step away from drama, most people think when I say that, that I'm referring to I'm going to stay away from George or Larry or Betty. And what I'm really referring to is I'm turning off the nonsense in my own head. I'm resigning from my position as my own worst enemy, as that spoken word piece I read yesterday from Andrea Gibson talks about. And that's exactly what you're describing. You're, you're doing the work that's allowing you to realize when you leave groceries out and they get ruined, that is an impact. And you could judge it as positive or negative. And you can take effective action to deal with that And there's no necessity to beat yourself up or blame somebody else and beat them up. So congratulations. You're starting to observe, as you said, you're starting to become aware at different levels of the actual process of perception and the creation of your experience of life that's happening inside of you. It's happening inside all of us all the time. And we haven't been taught about it and or we've been taught incorrectly that it's being caused by people and things around us. So congratulations.
3: Thank you. Thank you for every opportunity that has presented itself. And thank you for this radio station.
2: Well, you're Bless. most welcome and deserving. All right. Blessings. It um, is—it's a privilege, in a way, to be around. Uh, For years, I've tried to explain to people. You know, sometimes people think that as a psychologist, I'm out here healing people, or I'm out here changing their lives for this or that, and it's hard to get people to understand that that's never happened. Sometimes, when people want to thank me for the wonderful work I do, or saving their life, or this or that, I will say, okay, let me help you perceive this in a way that I think is more accurate and completely more beneficial to you. If you think that what I did saved you or changed your life or, you know, um, was this huge intervention, you miss the point. And the point would really be brought home if we would violate all the rules of confidentiality and you could see how many people have come into my office and I've said almost exactly the same things to them that I said to you and they've either gotten upset and left before the first session was over or they've only come for two or three sessions and refused to do any of their own work, then you would instantly understand that it's nothing about what I'm saying or doing that's making a difference in your life. It's what you choose to say and do. It's what you choose to apply in your own life that makes a difference in your life. So congratulations to you, Audrey, and anybody else who actually picks up the tools. What are the tools? Awareness of my awareness is a tool. Breath work is a tool. The Reality Management Worksheet, as Michael Rice presented, is a tool. My five-step mental short version of that Reality Management Worksheet is a tool. EFT tapping is a tool. Michael's Three Early Memories of Conflict is a very powerful tool. Michael's Mind Shifter, Targeted Journaling, is a powerful tool. And if you actively apply these tools in your own life, then you open up the possibility for change. If you just keep living your life, knowing that your religion is the right religion, what your parents told you is the right thing, uh, you know your group has the right answer, you, the people of your skin color are better than people of a different skin color, then your world is not going to change. You're going to get more of the life experiences. That you've had in the past, and so I would try to explain that to people, and then I would say they'd say, "Well, how do you do the work you do? How do you, you know, tolerate sitting and listening to people complain and and whine and moan and talk about other problems all the time?" And I say, "Well, in the first place, that's not how I experience it, and in the second place, what I like to say is it's an absolute." privilege to be present when people choose to get healthier it's an absolute thrill for me and i that i it might be just something unique to me it may not it may not be something that that thrills other people i know some people get thrilled by going to horse races or car races and they don't thrill me so much I know some people get thrilled by risking their lives doing free diving, and that never really seemed attractive to me. So it might be that it's unique to me, that it it feels thrilling to me to be present when, when people choose health, choose clarity, choose a change in their own internal process that creates a more... Um, pleasant life for themselves, a more desirable life for themselves. But that's what I like to say to people. And when people say thank you for the radio show, I say you're welcome. And please remember, the radio show is not changing your life. However, what you do with what you hear or the tools you learn in the support groups or on the Internet show, it can definitely change your life. And as I mentioned for the first time this week, I've talked in the past about how this is absolutely free. And the clarification there is, the truth is it's not free. The truth is we don't demand financial payment, but you need to make the investment of your most important commodity and that is your attention, your intention, and your effort. It takes time, it takes attention, it takes intention and effort to actually get benefit from the tools that are offered and these tools are offered without the need of financial reimbursement and yet you won't get any benefits unless you invest some of your most precious commodity your attention, your intention, your time, and your effort. So, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, I'm very grateful to everybody who's joining us, whether you're listening live or through the archives, and we encourage people to give us feedback about how it's landing for them people like Celinda, and people like Susan. Susan, welcome.
4: Hi, Dr. Tim. I did listen to Andrea Gibson's short. It was much shorter than I expected.
5: Uh,
4: what do you call it? It's poetry. It's
2: A spoken a word piece.
4: <laughs> About the suicide um, of... Gay kids, and it's a good time to bring that out, this being this particular month, although it's always needed. Um, it struck me, she is so imaginative, articulate. speedy her mind is amazing. To me, that's almost a testimony that this is God talking to us that this is the right thing. We need to hear this. It needs to be spread around. Uh, I listened to the one about the MAGA hat in the chemo room, too. They're such short little talks that you can get a couple of them in. <clears throat> and she ends up in that one. I don't, did you hear that one? No. Well, she ends up loving the man with the MAGA hat in, in, her, in the broadest way of accepting everyone uh, so she's doing the work and she came to it I guess on her own through her own amazing experiences but I'm so glad you introduced us to that I've already sent the link to the, the talk the longer talk to the people in my support group we have on Wednesday. Uh, I haven't heard back from them, but I know they're going to love it. It's funny, we keep thinking we've found the thing, and then there's more and more and more. I don't have much else to say, but I'm glad you introduced that.
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad you're finding it a value. That is you know, exactly what we're asking for when we say, "Let us know how it's landing with you." And um, and and it it's important to understand that there is no the thing, right? The thing is what we're told to go looking for. Right? The thing is the belief, the religion, the the job, the uh, account balance, and and the checkbook, the relationship, the perfect orgasm, the perfect meal, the, the, the perfect car, there is no, whether it's in a spiritual realm or it's in the material realm, there's no one thing, I just thought of the phrase that Dale Ellen Hoffman likes to quote from uh, Francis of Assisi who said, what you're looking for is what is looking. And, mm-hmm. and I, I expand that a little bit because people don't understand it sometimes. And I say, what you're looking for when you say, I want to know God, I want to be enlightened, I want to grow personally or spiritually, what you're looking for when you say that is in you.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You're not going to become anything more than you already are. So the job then is to awaken to your true nature. And the way Michael would talk about it with the concept of forgiveness and shebag is to cancel and dismantle and remove everything that doesn't belong in you that's less than that loving nature, that extension of love in form or the Christ mind or whatever word you want to use for it. It's always there. It's always been in you. It will stay in you and you're asleep to it or you've never been introduced to it or you got introduced to it and your family of origin or your intimate relationship was threatened by it and you gave it up to maintain Mm. connection with them. But it's not outside of you. That's the essence of that message.
4: Mm. I have a friend who's a psychic and therapist and I've mentioned her before who we talk about once a week and she's a therapist and I have worked with her as a therapist but she's also a friend but she still wants my business every once in a while. That's a crude way of putting it but yesterday she was saying that I have uh some kind of resistance and it's showing in my shoulder and in my right side. I'm not aware of this. I've been running around feeling fine. And she says I can remove it for you. And this is my challenge of the moment is I'm thinking who's got the who's got the problem in the shoulder? Who's got the problem in the leg? Who what's going on here? And she says, I can can clear it for you if you want. And my first response is, of course, whatever's in there, you know, that isn't the best, (laughs) take it out, you know, take it out. But I didn't have time for her to do it. She was offering to do a session with, and it's gotten really messy because she has done sessions on me and not charged me because we're friends, but I don't want her to, do that. But on the other hand, I'm not even sure what she says is there, is there. Very often we'll talk and she'll say, oh, I see you have a dark entity or something. And I'll say, oh my goodness, okay. Uh, you know, and she says, I-, I, can, I can remove it for you. And I go for it, I say. But it's complicated to me because after I get off the phone, I often need to do a worship sheet. I have to think, wait a minute, I'm not feeling very well in balance all of a sudden. Something's going on here. I don't feel very good about this. So I do my worksheet about how suddenly something's being brought to my attention that isn't right with me. And I only
2: after they bring it to your attention do you start to feel upset or discomfort?
4: Yeah, I think, gee, maybe... I feel two things. Maybe she's right, or maybe this friendship isn't very healthy, and she's not seeing much of anything in me one way or another. Uh, I don't know if I trust this friendship. I don't know if I trust this situation, and I'm trying to formulate a way to lovingly speak to her uh, about this and just say, you know, if we're going to be friends, I wish you'd shut down all your – she says, I'm very intuitive
3: it's like a person saying to me,
2: "God told wait me." Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Just take a breath. Listen to this. Okay. Listen to what you're saying. Take a step back from this and 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 look at what's happening. You have an interaction mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. And you have these multiple interactions with her. And then you leave and you're so wrought up or conflicted in you inside yourself that then you come on the internet show and talk about it and talk about the conflict and you don't know if it's right or not and then when you get back together with her does she say oh i can sense that you're not completely comfortable in our relationship does she say that no
4: she no she doesn't
2: say that so so the So so that belies that whatever it is that she has active in her that she's calling being very intuitive, it's something Mm -hmm. different than your own natural sense of comfort and your own ability to read the flow of communication between you and another person. Whatever it is that's going on for her that she labels very intuitive, it's not showing her your discomfort in your interactions with her so it has severe limitations if it's there at all
4: mhm that's a good way to put it here's
2: here's here's what it 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 put me to mind of i used to teach the uh EFT all day class from 9 to 4 on Saturdays and one time in particular we were there. It was probably one of the larger classes we had—18 or more people in this class—and it's a—it's a—it's a relaxed setting where you can sit in a chair, or you can sit on pillows on the floor. They've got those kinds of, um, you know, back seats that you can sit on the floor and keep your back up, and it just—it's a relaxed setting. And we're sitting around in this all-day workshop, and we've asked people repeatedly, "Please silence your cell phones, etc." And this one woman refuses to silence her cell phone and every time it rings she answers it starts talking to the person
5: sits oh my there. God. she's disrupting
2: the class right she's sits there right. with for the first few sentences and then leisurely gets up and talks loudly all the way out the room mm-hmm. and then and then comes back and not a word about oh, I'm sorry but just just as though nothing happened and so that same person, later in the afternoon, went on and on about how she's so she's such an empath.
5: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, it's
5: a similar thing. And, but you know, and what? it was
2: all it was all I could do. You know, I think my my tongue was bloody from from biting my tongue. It was <laughs> all I could do not to say, "Well, then I'm really sorry." for all of the negative energy you must be feeling when the the group generates when you keep interrupting the group with your cell phone. I didn't say that, but inside I was chuckling mm-hmm. and thinking how ironic that, mm-hmm. you know, as she leaves, the room turns to me, and people actually made some comments about it, and I said, feel free to, you know, make a comment. I've already mentioned, please silence your cell phones, and so... That's what came to mind when you're talking about your friend telling mm-hmm. you about how intuitive she is. And yet, as you interact with her, you're so unsettled by it. I don't quite know what, to, what word to use. You would have to give it the it's word for what word. you're feeling about it. No, that's a good way. That, you, that you're asking other people about it, or you're talking about it mm-hmm. on the Internet show. hmm well, and so there may be something going on there. She may have a certain level of intuition, et cetera, so I don't want to completely mm-hmm. overrule that, but I, I, I try to choose my words carefully to say whatever it is that's going on with her that she's labeling this incredible intuition, it's not being applied to her interaction with you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So
2: what's, the, so what's the next step? since you're aware of it, would be for yeah. you to communicate that directly with her.
4: Absolutely. And I, I went out for a walk, fully masked, mind you, because the air was deep orange this morning where we're living. It's getting better now. But I had a conversation in my head trying to arrange my feelings and my words so that we could remain friends, and yet something basic about how we keep these exchanges repeat themselves very often.
2: Um, you know, well, they, um, let, trying to how, thi- how, how let me just interrupt you and let, let me ask you something. We you just said you said that we can remain friends. Let me ask mm-hmm. you how deep, strong, and or true is the friendship if you're not even being honest about this?
4: That's a very good question. Tim Bingham says, why do you talk to her? (laughs) Because I tell him, you know, she thinks I have an entity and maybe I'll hire her to get rid of it. And she said, he says, come on. But It's hard for me to know the truth, but the fact is, whatever it is, it's available to me. That's where Andrea Gibson comes in here. She knows where she stands on certain things, and I think I know perfectly well where I stand on certain things, and I'm afraid of my own power. I'm afraid to speak up. I'm afraid to lose a friend who maybe isn't even a really good friend. There's a lot of work to be done here, Dr. Tim. I didn't mean to open a can of worms here. This is rather large.
2: Well, it reminds me of, of someone I was talking to just the other day who has had a history because of the severely abusive nature of her childhood of not really letting anybody know who she really is.
5: Mm
2: -hmm. and doing, you know, a lot of what you would call mental math, screening (laughs) everything she says before she says it, worrying endlessly about what's the impact if she says this or that to this person or that person and how's it going to go. And so essentially really severely limiting any friendships. And Mm. because she's been working really digging in in therapy and working, she has begun to be more and more deeply honest. Mm. You know, scared to death to do it, but she's doing it. And the more she does right. it, the more she's actually getting introduced to what it's like to have an actual friendship a true connection she hasn't had true connections with people deep true connections because she hasn't shared herself yeah she's been you know very very willing to let other people share who they are and to help them with their difficulties and but she's never really stepped into being actively being Honest about who she is and letting people get to know her. So because she's been working so much in therapy, that's actually starting to happen. Wow. And she's had this friendship develop and this interaction with this person develop. And she keeps having the thought, oh, my gosh, this this person's going to be sick of me. I, I shouldn't contact them. I should give them space. They're going to be sick and tired of hearing from me. Simply because... Mm-hmm having a great time and they're having a lot of connections and but that's her internal dialogue it's always doubting herself yeah. always thinking she's a burden but it comes you know she comes by it naturally from her family of origin well so mm. as she gets more and more honest and of course in therapy we're encouraging her encouraging her to do that to just be honest with this person about that when those thoughts come up And at the first suggestion of that, she recoiled in horror, oh, I could never tell her that, or she would think I'm needy or this and that. And I said, well, you know, if it becomes the right time for you to share that with her, you'll know. I just want Mm -hmm. to give you the feedback from, you know, as your outside coach in this, that if there is a true friendship there, this is perfectly okay, and it's highly beneficial to say that. So eventually she did and and this friendship yeah. has been blossoming and and she mentioned right? to her friend that you know she occasionally thinks maybe i shouldn't call her or i shouldn't text her or I, should, I shouldn't bother her because you know we've had so much contact lately and she's probably getting sick of me and the friend said that's not happening right i'm i'm enjoying the interaction as much as you are it's real it's solid that's good Well, the next time she brought it up, because it had some more interactions and, you know, what's happening, graduation from high school parties and things like that, so it brings people together more, then she mentioned it again, and her friend said, oh, wait a minute, are you trying to tell me that you're sick of me? (laughs) Oh, Oh, boy. He's in a pod. Uh and and then they could have the honest conversation and so no, 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 okay and then her friend said to her look, I want to tell you that this interaction has been so solid and I'm being honest and I can tell you're being honest I'll just make the commitment to you that if I do feel like I need a break I'll say that you're not going to have to guess Mm -hmm. about it right and I'll, I'll I'll make that commitment. And so they connected at that level of honesty and they were both greatly relieved. Now, you might imagine what would happen if you had that level of honesty with this friend. I have no idea. Wow. I've never met this woman, right? But I yeah. I can I I can guess from the 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 way you've shared so openly about your thoughts and emotions over the past five or six years you've been calling the Internet show, that you are concerned about how that would be taken or could, have, could be offensive to somebody, etc. And she may or may not have that level of uh, sensitivity or being easily offended. However, you won't be able to find out until you share honestly at that level. Right, You That's won't true. be able to find out who's able to meet you in a deep, yeah. true friendship at that level of honesty until you open up at that level of honesty.
4: Well, I'll give you a report. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to do it because I've got to call her today. I was going to have this session with her t- last night, and I had a meeting that went on too long. And I was relieved. I was glad that I didn't have to do it last night. And then I thought, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. And why do I? So I think I'll just tell her how uncomfortable I am and see what happens. I think I can do that. Good to have perspective, a little perspective. Um, Anyway, another, I know I'm getting off of it, but I wanted to, in lieu of, Andrea Gibson and poetry and so forth. And I've been going over all of my early musical works. I have a folder called Odd Music and Early Songs and Things. And I wrote one called Narcissus when I was 16. And I'd like to read it. It's about a crush I had on a an older counselor at a camp, a music camp we were both at. She was a counselor and I was a a junior counselor, scholarship camper. She was 21 and I was 16 and she seemed like a very strange person. I um, very um, guarded very rigidly straight turns out she was a member of a religious cult that she had been born into and they had very strict rules about just about everything but anyway here's the poem it happened once a girl was watching me as I danced and was a child then one day she came up to me and I was and said I was beautiful that she'd been watching me as I danced. I was bewildered, full of changes, and she was good to me, though she was strange. She seemed to worship me, wanted to be like me, gave me the power to make her happy, or so I thought. So as she watched me, I watched myself. began to need her watching there. I grew self-conscious, bashful with love. The things I did were new. I didn't know myself anymore. She tried to change me, make me more like her. She made me grow my hair, wear somber clothes. I was ashamed, tried hard to please her, gave up the things I'd always known myself to be, the best of myself. As I grew different, she drew away from me, so I tried harder to keep her near, but it was futile. She'd long since gone from me. What she'd first loved in me were the very things she'd wished away. I've grown up now, and she's gone. I married and had children, and am well. Yes, it's been years, but through the mists of mind, I still remember her and wonder just how she is and who she was that doesn't sound much like a poem, it's lyrics to a song, and the song is, the song's a good song, it's it's a good song, <laughs> but I sort of have been doing that all my life, is trying to mold myself into what somebody else wants so that I can be loved by them, but what they liked about me at the beginning, um, we all lose sight of because I'm not, I haven't had a solid sense of who I am. I don't think that's still true, but it's been a very big driving force in my life. And I sent that song to her years, years after we had no longer even were communicating. And she called me and she said, I want to apologize for that. It was a wonderful connection. We're we're not in touch anymore. Our lives are very different, but He apologized and said, I'm sorry I did that to you. I know what you're talking about. So maybe I can get the same kind of result from this friend here, some kind of connection, instead of me talking to myself in the park and talking about it on the radio show.
2: Well, and whether you get it from her or not, what you will get if you choose to do it is your own honesty. And the benefit of being more and more deeply honest with yourself and then others goes beyond words. So rather than looking for something from her, the encouragement from me would be to look for yourself to be able to be comfortable being more deeply honest regardless of whatever perceived response you get from anyone or anything outside of you.
4: You know, you make me realize there was a, a, a teacher once I had who said, tell the truth but not a harsh truth. And I think I've lived without any middle between those two. Like it's either the truth and it's harsh or you don't tell it. And... There is room for something else in there.
2: Yes, especially when you understand that how you perceive things and what you feel is a truth that's true only in you, and that's the only place it needs to be true. So you don't need to be trying to force it on anybody else. And at the same time, you can give yourself 100% permission to express it. Mm. Mm. and it's okay true. if it's, if it's, it's, if it's not that way for anybody else mhm, so again. The goal is not to get a certain response from her or anybody else when you're being honest. The goal right. is the honesty in itself. It's the process and the goal. It's the journey. It's, all the, it's everything right there.
4: Yeah. That's good.
2: All right. Well, you've helped us once again Thank get you. through the hour. Thank you so much. I will mute you so you can listen in. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice.
1: Thank you, Dr. Tim.
2: Appreciate You're very you. welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show.
1: Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Thursday, June the 8th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And so while Michael getting dialed in, I will open up Michael Singer's book. And we are on the chapter called Infinite Energy. And that is actually Chapter 5. So most people have been there at some point in their lives. All right, what they're talking about is from yesterday we were saying, you know, where you um, – You just uh, run out of all the energy. You know, you've used all your energy and um, just, you know, maybe don't even want to get out of bed or whatever. You just sleep all the time. But you must be eating because there's pizza boxes everywhere and, and you have no energy, but your friends invite you to go out and you decline. You simply are too tired to do anything. So most people have been there at some time in their lives. You feel that you have no way out. And it seems like you will stay there forever. Then suddenly, one day, the phone rings. Ah, it's your girlfriend. That's right, the one who dumped you three months ago. She's crying as she says, Oh, my God, do you remember me? I hope you'll still talk to me. I just feel so terrible. Leaving you was the worst mistake I ever made. I see now how important you are to me, and I can't live without you. The only real love I ever felt in my life was during the time we were together. Would you please forgive me? Could you ever forgive me? Can I come over and see you? Now, how are you doing? Seriously, how long does it take you to get enough energy to jump out of bed, clean up the apartment, take a shower, get some color back into your face? It's practically instantaneous. You're filled with energy the moment that you hang up the phone. How does this happen? You were completely drained. For months and months, you had no energy. Then out of nowhere, in a matter of seconds, there is so much energy, it blows you away. You can't just ignore those enormous shifts in your energy level. Where exactly did all that energy come from? There was no sudden change in your eating or sleeping habits. And yet when your girlfriend comes by, you end up talking all night and going out to see the sunrise in the morning. You're not tired at all. You're together again. You're holding hands. These rushes of joy just won't stop overwhelming you. People see you and they remark that you look like a bundle of light. Where did all this energy come from? What you'll see, if you watch carefully, is that you have a phenomenal amount of energy inside of you. It doesn't come from food. It doesn't come from sleep. This energy is always available to you. At any moment, you can draw upon it. It just wells up and fills you from inside. When you're filled up with this energy, you feel like you could take on the world. When it's flowing strongly, you can actually feel it forcing through you in waves. It gushes up spontaneously from deep inside and restores, replenishes, recharges you. The only reason you don't feel this energy all the time is because you block it. You block it by closing your heart. By closing your mind, pulling yourself into a restrictive space inside. This closes you off from all the energy. When you close your heart or close your mind, you hide in the darkness within you. There is no light. There is no energy. There is nothing flowing. The energy is still there, but it can't get in. That is what it means to be blocked. That is why you have no energy when you're depressed. There are centers within, within that channel your energy flow. And when you close them, there is no energy. When you open them, there is. Although various energy centers exist within you, the one you intuitively know the most about opening and closing is your heart. Let's say that you, and this of course is their wording, let's say that you love somebody and you feel very open in their presence. Because you trust them, your walls come down, allowing you to feel lots of high energy. But if they do something you don't like, the next time you see them, you don't feel so high. You don't feel as much, quote-unquote, in love. Instead, you feel a tightness in your chest. This happens because you closed your heart. The heart is the energy center, and it can open and close. The yogis call energy centers chakras. When you close your heart center, energy can't flow in. When energy can't flow in, there's darkness. Depending upon how closed you are, you either feel tremendous disturbance or overwhelming lethargy. Often people fluctuate between these two states. If you then find out that your loved one didn't do anything wrong or if they apologize to your satisfaction, your heart opens again. With this opening, you get filled with energy and the love starts flowing again. How many times have you experienced these dynamics in your life? You have a wellspring of beautiful energy inside of you. When you are open, you feel it. When you're closed, you don't. This flow of energy comes from the depth of your being. It's called by many names. Ancient Chinese medicine it's called qi. In yoga, it's called shakti. In the West, it's called spirit. Call it anything you want. All the great spiritual traditions talk about your spiritual energy. They just give it different names. There's, that, that spiritual energy is what you're experiencing when love rushes up into your heart. That is what you're experiencing when you're enthused by something. And all this high energy comes up inside of you. You should know about this energy because it's yours. It's your birthright and it's unlimited. This one is called Infinite Energy. Aria mm. wanted to know what the name of the chapter was. You should know about this energy because it's yours. It's your birthright and it's unlimited You can call upon it any time you want. It has nothing to do with age. Some 80-year-old people have the energy enthusiasm of a child. They can work long hours for seven days a week. It's just energy. Energy doesn't get old. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't need food. What it needs is openness and receptivity. This energy is equally available to everybody. The sun does not shine differently on different people. If you're good, it shines on you. If you did something bad, it shines on you. It's the same with the inner energy. The only difference is that with the inner energy, you have the ability to close up inside and block it. When you close, the energy stops flowing. When you open, all the energy rushes up inside of you. True spiritual teachings are about this energy and how to open it. And I'll stop there and welcome Michael.
6: Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And as we spoke of yesterday, when you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, the teachings are right there. And when he says, the veil of the temple must be rent in twain, again, again, I'm talking about a purple curtain in church. They were talking about the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind, that which holds back energy. And my offering is that we are not designed to have an unconscious mind at all. If that veil were totally wide open, we'd have that total full flow of energy all the time. And the energy system is designed to take the time, lay down and rest, and let self-regenerate, regather, rebuild, and heal. Probably one of the biggest pieces missing in our culture in the process of healing is that people don't take the time to take care of themselves when the structure is demanding healing energy. And we are generators of energy, and recognizing that we're generators – and receivers of energy, one of the things that humans can do that, as far as we can tell, no other energy creature on the planet can do. And that is that we can originate something different and new. And we can originate on what people call the negative side or the positive side. You know, you see a a mother fox with its den on the side of a river and intuitionally the fox gets the hit. There's a big storm coming and the river's going to flood and the fox has enough knowledge to move itself up the hill and dig a new den or find a new den. So it has this survival instinct. But you're not going to find a fox then when it gets this intuitive hit, there's a flood coming and we're going to get these babies out of here, that says, you know, I think what I'll do is I'll build a dam and build a nice two bedroom house here. And then I'll be able to watch the river flow by from the front door. You're not going to get a fo- find a fox that does that. Yes, the fox can follow its guidance, but it can't originate, can't do something new. Now, if we come from a bloodline of people who've invented all kinds of new things, have originated all kinds of new things, and there are things that we're seeing on display in the culture right now, rage, fear, hatred, condemnation, gossip, slander, vengeance, we see all kinds of that going on, and... We may have been born into a family system that has that as part of their genetics. We certainly are in a culture that's got lots of it. And so it takes engaging in the work of healing to free ourselves from those energetic dynamics that perhaps we would say, if I had to originate this, I'd say, no, I'm finished with it. You know, that story that was started out with with, the, with what Jeannie was reading. There's this person who's in all kinds of depression and shut down, and all of a sudden, circumstances change, and it seems like circumstances dictate what happens. But that's only because we've not chosen to consciously originate, and we've not been given the tool, in particular, of forgiveness. I was posting on someone's website this morning that was talking about forgiving other people and i offered the thought the pain the rage you're feeling yes needs to be forgiven needs to be removed so please forgive continuously but never forgive anybody for anything because forgiveness is not about greek pardoning letting people off the hook because you're in pain or turmoil or trauma of some kind Forgiveness is about how you reach inside, find the hidden roots of the trauma, the unconscious part of the mind, open it up, open the flow. And purposely, consciously, whenever anything of an hostility or fear-based nature moves in each one of us, if we choose to forgive as to that fear or hostility-based dynamic in us, then we'll open up and free flow the energy that that otherwise is consuming and creating destructive results with. So the forgiveness tool is the core, the most important piece to the whole puzzle. And it's interesting, if you you read in the Aramaic, you'll hear that the Greeks translated forgive your brother, forgive your father, forgive your mother, Forgive your brother seven seven times seven. And I can remember when I first started to comprehend and work with the Aramaic that it was somewhat confusing to me. Because in the Aramaic, wherever the Greeks said forgive somebody, in the Aramaic it doesn't say forgive your brother, it says forgive as to your brother. And for me at first that was... little bit confusing. What does that mean, forgive as to your brother? And it took some time to build the brain cells to recognize that what we were being told was that if I interact with you, you are my brother, my sister, and you resonate or arouse something based in hostility or fear in me. Now, the Greeks would say, well, you just forgive them for making you mad i say never forgive anybody for making you mad because it's a lie to think that anybody could make you mad but if there's mad in there you'll certainly have a whole procession of people showing up to bring it up for you so in that circumstance in the aramaic the way the language would be used would be so your brother brought up rage and anger in you so now what you need to do is forgive as to your brother in other words what your brother has brought up in you is a subject of forgiveness, not your brother. If you're blaming yourself for something, then you forgive as to yourself. And that's what loosens up. That's what opens the flow of energy that puts us back on top. Enough restriction of energy in the system, and we have disease processes going on. You know, if energy isn't flowing properly through a cell, that cell is in a diseased condition. Enough cells diseased, and the organ that make up, pardon me, the organ that is made up by the cells, will tend to be dysfunctional. It'll start out with poor function, and that's where somebody, you know, goes through life in their in their twenties, and they go to the doctor with, you know, I'm feeling a little pain, a little low energy. You know, maybe uh, you need to fix me. Oh. Well, can't find anything. Five years later, go back, check again. Nope, can't find anything. Ten years later, go back. Oh, no, can't find anything. Well, you just, you know, that's just the way it is. The whole time, if there was healing possible, then over that 20-year period where you're looking for the disease and someone in authority is joining you in looking for the disease, and then on the 25th year, you go get checked. Ah, here it is. We found it. This has been the problem all along. Well, no, actually it wasn't. Actually, the problem all along was the restriction of energy that at first became functional. The organs functionally fell out of alignment with the way they were designed to work. And over many, many years, that functional disorder, that restriction of energy, translates into physical deterioration and disease, or what we call physical deterioration and disease. And of course, there is no, you know, you remember Yeshua said the words, do not judge by appearances. There is no physical disease. And people say, well, wait a minute, I can see it. Well, I got it that your brain is producing something. But when you realize that there is no physical, how can there be physical disease? How is that possible? What do you mean there's no physical, Michael? Well, if you really get down to looking at it, what your brain generates as a picture of a body or of something physical is an appearance generated by your brain. It's not the truth. Now, you may say, well, I know better than that. Well, you know, go have a conversation with Albert Einstein. Here's what Albert said. On such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have here called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses, there is no matter. Material world, a body does not exist. The appearance of one, a picture in the brain, does. Yes. You know, if I had a a, a propeller spinning on an airplane on the tarmac, and you brought someone from the jungle somewhere who's never seen anything more complex than a dugout canoe. They would look at the spinning propeller, and what would they say? Oh, I see a shining silver disc. Is there a shining silver disc there? No. But there sure is the appearance of one. The mind, the eye, not being able to keep up with the rate of spin of the prop, turns it into an image, the brain turns it into an image of something that isn't there. Now, we take that person from the jungles, and, and they say, well, you know, uh, every every time I went and looked, and I checked our history books, and every time someone's seen this thing you called an airplane, there's always uh, a series of shiny silver discs attached in the front of it. And I say, well, that's interesting. But what if everything you think you know about airplanes is a lie? And... What if you didn't realize that you get to organize the way the energy system works and you're living in a lie? What if everything you've been taught about your body is a lie? And that what it is is a spinning electron, proton, neutron light system that you have charge of and you can originate as you choose. You'll notice the television set originates the disease that the set is trying to say that the advertiser is trying to sell you. You'll notice that there's, in most every app, there's some sort of highly charged. Either it's a depressing or an exciting. You know, this person's dancing through the daisies, like, you know, with their love on their arms, like they're getting ready to go and have the most fantastic night ever. And the voice in the background is telling you all the deadly diseases they're going to be caused if you take this pill that next they're going to say, check and see if this is right for you. You know what they're doing? They're originating for you. They're working to get your mind to buy into an energetic thought pattern, a thought form, that if it becomes manifest in your form, will be the disease that they're selling the drug for. I think that all drug advertising should be stopped and it should be criminal because they know exactly what they're doing. They know the power of the mind. That's why, just before they tell you go check and see if this is right for you, go check with your doctor. There's always this fun, exciting, romping through the flowers in joy and delight once one is taking this drug, and every drug is a disease disguised as a cure. Don't take my word for it. Just go run to the drugstore, ask to see, or just look, you know, even the over-the-counter stuff, and take a look inside the package. There's a little insert, and if you unfold it, it's going to give you a list of all the diseases that that drug is going to cause. Now, it's not going to call them diseases because that would be, you know, blowing the horn on themselves. We have uh, a fancy word of trickery for those diseases listed on package insert. They're not diseases. They're just side effects. Yeah, right. Okay. In any event, it's all about a wake-up call. It's all about recognizing that we are energetic beings and that the world has developed systems in many directions. Some of them are governments. Some of them are churchianity. Systems of people who've honed the skill of taking over other people's energy systems and directing those energy systems for their own benefit. When we realize who we are, we recognize that we are transmuters of energy. And as transmuters of energy, all we need are the right raw materials, and the right elimination, and things are going to tend to rock. Compromise either though those things, you know, it's interesting. We live in a culture that if you go into a restaurant, almost anywhere these days, you have to ask if they've got anything with actual food in it. Like, for instance, if you're going to have a sandwich, good luck in finding a piece of bread for that sandwich that actually has nutrition in it and is actually food and isn't just a chemical makeup, a chemical mix where they've stripped away. All of the nutrients to sell them to the big farmers, profit one. The leftover white flour, they paid Mass and Avenue to promote and to tell you that this white paste, get it wet, it's just like paste, is going to build your body in 12 wonderful ways. Actually, there are two really good uses for white bread which it's almost impossible to go into a restaurant and get anything other than white bread today. Oh, you might get something that's got a little bit of color in it. They call it brown bread. But it's it's not nutrition that's in there. It's coloring. But there are two uses that I've discovered for that white bread. One is, you know, if you've got a loose floor tile, you can use it to stick uh, the tile down. And... If, you've got, if you break a glass, it can be good for picking up. you get it a little bit wet, it'll pick up broken glass. But as far as putting it in your body, literally deadly. And each of us needs to wake up to how this system works, what energy means, what kind of energies are needed to fuel and supply this energy structure called a body. And what kind of things are toxic and poison to this energy body? One of the things we've been doing here in Virginia is developing the ability to grow our own food. So we've been doing lots of work on gardening. Actually, I took some pictures this morning. We've got about, I'm not even sure what we're up to. We've got to be over 40 indigenous plants here now. And our uh, I took a couple of pictures of uh, some of the bees that uh, are buzzing around. We've probably doubled or tripled our bee and bird population in just the last three or four weeks with these new pollinator plants. Energy, supplying these cr- creatures with the energy that they need to do the job that they do for us. So understanding that we live in an energy system on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we've heretofore called matter is energy. And you're designed to direct and originate for the energy that's flowing through you. There are three basic states through which that energy can flow in us. One of them is called an Aramaic Rachma or love. One of them is fear, the other is hostility. It's time for us to wake up to who we are. And to begin the project of forgiving everything that's unlike that state of love that we're designed to be and that we're designed to create in the world. And so, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room?
1: It is all quiet on this end. Um, Susan's hand's up, but I believe it's left over from Dr. Tim, but I'll turn on her microphone just to double-check. Hello, Ms. Susan.
6: Are you with us, Susan? She's maybe stepped away from her phone. All right, well, if you're out there in listener land, I'm kind of complete with what I have to share today. And so it's your turn. The space is open if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel. If you dial in to the the show, the call number is 563-999-3581. If you dial that number, 563-999-3581, you'll be listening to the show directly. And then if you push 1, We'll raise a hand in the control panel, and Joan, Joan, Jeannie will know that you want to speak to us, and we'd love to hear your voice. Is so there any way we can support you? Anything to do with this work? Anything related to the conversation we've just had about energy? And we could just pass the next half hour in silence, perhaps.
1: Share uh, yesterday's experience with Miss Arya. Her eyes just got really big. You Go for you ask her it. to change. Let her,
5: so it. she can
6: hear you.
1: No. Do you want? I've got it on speaker.
6: Oh, okay. You going to tell her? So?
1: How you changed your energy yesterday. Nope. She's
6: Is Artify shared, Mhm.
1: She says, uh huh.
6: Okay, cool. So, yesterday. We were, you know, in the living room playing and it was time to go out and do a little work in the garden. So we suggested that we get dressed and go out. It was a little bit chilly and uh, and do that work in the garden. And Ari got kind of um, whiny, oh, I don't want to do it. I want to do this. And I stopped and explained that, you know, that life serves each and every one of us and that we're here to cooperate with and support each other. And it isn't all just about what you want or what I want, you know. There are times when you want to do something and that's what we do. And then there are times when Nini or Papa or Mom or Dad want to do something and it's your turn to cooperate. And I've actually been marveling. I think I've said it three or four times. I mean, it was it was a fairly intense wine, which I know she's had modeled in her environment somewhat. And, uh, and as, I mean, as instantly as I said that, she just looked at me and smiled and said, okay, let's get our clothes on and go outside. And we went out and did the work in the garden. This morning when she got back from school, Jeannie went and picked her up, and, uh, and she headed right up the garden. She helped me plant some plants. We got some new elderberry bushes today, or yesterday. And we just got those in the ground before the radio show. And uh, what else did we get in? Lemongrass and... We went out and found some awesome, huge, uh, local... I don't even know what that uh, that one big plant is that uh, had the bees on it. But uh, it's pretty sweet. So thank you for your help, Aria, in getting the plants planted, feeding them. She thought it was kind of strange because one of the things that we were feeding the plants was chocolate. All of the plants planted on our property have been fed chocolate before we plant them. And people go, what? I've never heard of fleeting plants' chocolate. Well, actually, there's a story behind it. There's a gentleman that uh, way back, oh, probably 20 years ago was at Heartland, and he was working on a formula for a chocolate shake mix. And it was all organic. And he actually was testing it when he was at Heartland. So everybody that was there got to taste it. How do you like this? And if I change the recipe and blah, blah, blah. So he came up with this thing called quantum chocolate. And uh, about uh, probably seven years ago, he got to the point where he got his funding together and he got a, a food manufacturing company to manufacture his chocolate. He got, you know, packaging made, looked really nice, quantum chocolate packaging. And he was an Amazon seller and so he started to sell on Amazon. Fortunately for us, unfortunately for him, the ingredients being all organic and there were quite a, like a list of about 10 different, you know, high quality superfoods in it. They were really expensive, so he had to sell this stuff for 80 bucks a pound. And unfortunately, at $80 a pound, it just didn't take off. So he was left with about, well, I guess, close to 1,000 pounds uh, left over when he decided to discontinue it. And he'd been to Heartland and, and benefited from and said, Michael, I've got some uh, some quantum chocolate made up. Uh, if you like, I'll uh, I'll donate it to Heartland. All you have to do is pay the shipping. And so we now we still have probably mm, six or seven hundred pounds of chocolate in in our uh, storeroom. But now for three years now, whenever we know we've planted plants, that's one of the ways that we're feeding them. That's well, got all these superfoods in it, and uh, it, they just really seem to love it. I mean, our our plants have been really wonderfully successful, and. Uh, so, thank you, Justin, for the uh, the donation of the quantum chocolate. Of course, we've eaten our share of it, and uh, and it's uh, it's fed four gardens now for three years. So, much appreciation. So that's how we came to be feeding our plants chocolates. Energy. Energy in motion.
1: It's called a blue lobelia.
6: Blue lobelia, yeah. Hmm. I was actually, that's the one with the bells on it. I was actually thinking of the other one that we we dug up uh, over near that, that factory. That the blue
1: lobelia. That one is the blue lobelia. The the other tall one with the bells on it is the digital. Digit-
6: oh, that's digitalis, right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, learning pl- plants, too. It's all part of the game. So if you're out there in listener land, let's have a conversation. 563-999-3581. How can we serve you? How can we support you? Is there anything we've said that doesn't make sense or that needs improvement, needs clarification? Or just that you have some questions about? We'd love to uh, have you uh, help us refine our understanding of this whole game of energy. And one of the things that always gives me a, uh, a new insight is somebody who asks a question that I've never thought of before, and it gives a different inroad into understanding this uh, this body of work and the whole dynamic of how life operates. So once again, if you're on one of those stations and we can't see you, our call number is 563-999-3581. Call that number, you're listening to the show, and then push one. And we're having a conversation, so
4: we have a let's say it.
6: hello. Awesome, good.
1: It's Miss Julie, 541, you're on the air.
0: Hi, hey, how are you? welcome,
6: young lady, how are you? Oh, we're rocking, doing well.
0: Great. So is Aria still there? She is. She is. The Hi, girl Aria. is here. Aria, Hi. I love how you changed your energy. Hi. You made me happy. When, well, I, no, you didn't make me happy. I share in that <laughs> happiness. <laughs> Yay.
5: It
1: wasn't, wasn't
0: it? Mm-hmm. hmm You know you what? That's her, what I wanted to say.
1: Oh, go ahead. Tell her how we change your thoughts. And it changes. Oh. oh. Nope. she's got a tomato in her mouth. <laughs> she's. She like if oh. <laughs> have fruit or tomatoes or whatever, she will go to a tomato first every time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> they're easy to eat. How about the peas? Yeah, that tomato in the tomato girl. Does she like peas when she pops them out like from the pea pod? Oh, only if they're
5: not. Only if they're not in the little pod.
1: In the little what?
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Pot. No. Bowls. No bars. 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 Balls. <laughs> I'm <not> sure. <laughs> <laughs> balls. sure.
0: You like One. them out of the shell, Arya? Is that what
1: you're saying? Oh, you don't like you don't like peas if they're little balls.
5: Mm. Oh. I
0: mean, I on them.
1: oh, if they've got skin on them. Feel- Oh, and boil them?
0: Um, okay. Oh, yeah, you can eat them whole. That's right. You can just eat them whole. They're yummy that way. Yeah.
1: Now she likes the flower garden that we're we're creating, and she's helping. She picked out yesterday exactly where she wanted Papa to put each plant. Did she talk to the bees? You said hi to them. You, you petted one the other day, didn't you? A bee?
0: Mmm.
3: A Uh huh. The
0: bumblebee. I like to say please to the bees and please to the trees. The birds and bees are are a lot out there now, aren't they?
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So anyway, well, I just want to say um, thank you for talking about changing the energy because. Um, and i 'm going to talk more in an adult way now, okay, Aria, but I know your your grandma and grandpa can explain it to you, and I bet you can get it anyway because you 're always studying so hard and learning so i've been experiencing uh changing my energy more quickly <clears throat> and um and i've been i've been doing that in congruence with studying the first law and the second law about holding a condition of Rakhma in my mind when thinking of God, self, or neighbor. And um, so that helps me, you know, I just go for setting that condition of Rakhma in my mind, whatever it is, (laughs) because I don't really know how it happens or anything like that, but I can recognize it when I get there. And so, it just feels like it brings everything into well-being again. And um, including, you know, I remember doing a lot of work on rage at one point in this work because I had heard someone else in one of our Heartland intensives had done a lot of work on rage and benefited a lot from it. And so I knew it was there inside me to work on. And, um... (laughs) <laughs> so then, now, now you know, I'm learning to not hold that as a protocol for others, that maybe I'm doing it inside of me to the point that it's reaching critical mass, not critical race theory, but critical mass, which we need to talk right. about some more. You know, there's, there's this change in our culture trying to steer us away from critical mass, But I I really feel I'm experiencing critical mass shift for the amount of anger that can be regenerated from all these uh, generations. And um, I'm seeing it work inside me um, because (coughs) with my boyfriend and I, when we get into an argument that seems angry, you know, it seems like that anger energy is... Is uh, triggered, then um, I at least I'm becoming more an observer of it, and um, and not um, not um, succumbing to it, so that I I wimp away from it, but I just stand in truth, and I know that there's a piece in me that needs to still be released, and. Um, So this is bringing me to all kinds of wonderful um, feelings of, um, I guess you could say oneness, because I don't know if I shared this with you yet. Um, It's been with me in the last week or so, that there's a little, 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 whatever small amount of everything inside me, and there's a little, little, little bit of me inside everything or everyone else, everything, God, neighbor, self. And so I can, I, by my willingness to change my energy, I can change it that fast. And and um, I really truly am willing. And if if it's harder on one day than another day, I know that that's what I need to keep looking into. I I I going for that critical mass to be uh, released. And so I'm just Join saying you it's my willingness. Way. It all works so well. It just, yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful for the tools. I'm grateful for beautiful grandchildren like Aria Rain. and I hope I get to meet you someday, Aria. And um, good luck to you all, and that's all I have to say as I'm moving back to Spain.
6: <laughs> all right. You're heading back there when?
0: Um, we moved our our departure date up to July 19th.
6: July 19,
0: so, so you've got a few weeks out. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting all packed up so that the, the everything is shipped off to the container that's shipping it over to us. And then um, I'll be seeing my father a lot now in these next few weeks, and I'm hoping to uh, – I'm already – boy, I'm already sensing so much grief and and whatever I have to process about that. Um, I've had to put so much on hold just to accomplish these tasks. But um, basically, I feel in good shape. I have good – I've been having good dreams about it. Um, So I'm staying in touch with the energy and um, the love that's really present. So it's it's cool, but it's also sort of sad. You know, I know this is – but it'll be great for him. He wants us all to applause when he finally gets to go because he really wants to. <laughs> so.
6: Well, joining you in holding the space for him and the space for yourself. And you know you've got a few weeks. Who knows? You may be totally and completely free of it, so you can just be there totally present as that space of love with him. I'll hold the space yeah. for
0: that. yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I'll probably call in from time to time. So, um, and also, are we meeting on our our third Saturday for our Mind Shifters?
6: We're rocking on it. Yes, ma'am.
0: Okie dokie. All right. I'm planning on that. All right. I forget the date, but yeah. Okay, well, I'm complete and I'll, I'll uh, let you all go and be blessed. <laughs>
6: Hardy, have a blessed one. Thanks for calling.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
6: Enjoy your next few weeks here. All right. Well, Ms. Jeannie, we've got about 15 no minutes. Do anybody in the phone queue with a hand up?
1: No, we don't. So come on, somebody, press one. Press one.
5: We have well, I Can have, we have a
6: long topic? list of things to do today yet. So if nobody else has a question or a thought for us, then I'm oh, just going to bid we'll each of you.
1: Again. We'll
0: oh, just good. just one again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey there. I, Well, I was just... It's been days. so long. I know. I was thinking, does uh, Aria Ray never raise her hand? in school? Yeah.
1: You have to raise it a lot.
4: So if she has anything to School is over. Today
1: was her last day. Ooh. So she's graduated out of pre kindergarten and she'll be
0: going into kindergarten next year. Ooh. That's good. Is she gonna have swimming lessons or anything like that this summer? Um, She has got ballet, and she has gymnastics.
5: Ooh, that's good.
1: Well, you go to ballet camp next week.
0: How about piano? piano?
1: Well, (laughs) she actually was – I have a piano here that was my mom's, and she was playing on it the other day, and she said, ooh, I like the soft notes. And I said, well, maybe you'll want to take piano lessons. (laughs) Are you keeping you, it tuned? Oh, she said do you want she said, do you wanna hear her?
0: oh I do like
3: I do Play thank it you song. all right here she goes okay you gotta hit
5: them though
3: hard enough that it's where she can hear them
5: okay.
1: Her little fingers look good on the keys. Does she curve
5: them?
1: She's she's got like well her hand, she's you know got still small hands but her yeah. whole finger
0: just the tips of them are hitting you, you, the. Uh, <clears throat> you could yeah you could train her to um, make okay signs with each finger against her thumb and that'll be the curve she wants.
3: Anyway the, the what.
0: The, the okay sign, if you make the okay sign with each oh. finger, the first, oh, second, okay. third, fourth. Yeah, that's the curve uh-huh. for her to put on the piano and press the keys with and drop her arm into that, and that will produce the okay, tone. Okay,
1: so, your fingers, oh, cool so your fingers are curved like that.
0: Okay. Because are full and they trans those fulcrums that translate the uh, weight of the arm to the tip of the finger. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Good to know. Cool. First
6: piano lesson. Thank you, piano teacher.
0: You're welcome. And get the piano tuned because her ears will totally – I could tell she was trying to hear where to go next, so that's real important to get a piano tuned. Yeah, it's probably not been tuned in 10 years, so. Do you want to know a little information about what that is? It's it's simple information. There's three strings for each tone in the in the upper higher notes and each of those strings for each one tone or pitch have to be synchronized. So it can sound like it's sort of in tune, but there's a little fuzziness and a little offness to the frequencies. So that all makes right. that in place. And then in the lower strings, those turn into two strings that are thicker and they're kind of wrapped in copper, I think. And then the lowest strings are very thick and just one of them because they're longer and they resonate longer. And so it's just all, you know, intelligent design. She'd probably love to look inside. When the tuner comes, let her watch the tuner tune it. Yeah. Okay. Cool, good okay. idea. Thank you. If you need donations for that, I'd be happy to give you a donation to pay for the first tuning. Aww, thanks. Oh, thanks. Thank you. So you're welcome. So let me know if that happens. In the All
4: right. Cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be more than a hundred. I don't know. It's around that range every year uh-huh. sometimes if okay. it's been out of tune if it's been out of tune a while or you know not tuned in a while they'll maybe tell you they have to come back for a second tuning um but i think you could still be fine and wait another six months and then after that every year cool mm-hmm. thank you for okay, the input. Sorry. You're welcome. <laughs>
6: All right,
5: and okay. was there something else
6: that you, were there two things you wanted to talk about?
0: Well, it was just Aria raising her hand if she wanted to come on and say something on the show, and then and then I wanted to share whatever I shared. <laughs> so I'm done. Cool. I'm done now.
6: All right. Mucho gracias.
0: Okay. Have a great day. All right, night. enjoy
6: your time in California.
0: Okay, thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. All
6: right, blessings. honey. Bye-bye. Thank you. So we've got about ten minutes, eight minutes, I guess. If you're out there in listener land, you have a question for us, you have a thought. And if everybody's complete, then I'm complete with what I have to share. So I'm going to just invite everybody to have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. And have a blessed day. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself Jeannie Rice and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.